No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. In 1936, when they first fought, Max Schmeling upset Joe Lewis. It was one of the great upsets in the annals of sport. That fight and their rematch two years later were two of the biggest events, period, in the history of sport. But they were about much more than sports. And those two fights are the subject of a new book by the guests who joined us now. The book is War in the Ring, Joe Lewis, Max Schmeling, and the fight between America and Hitler. And the authors are our old friends, John Florio and Wheezy Shapiro, who previously written together One Nation Under Baseball, how the 1960s collided with the national pastime. They also wrote together One Punch from the Promised Land, Leon Spinks, Michael Spinks, and the Myth of the Heavyweight Title. They are also related to each other. By marriage, and by that I mean marriage to each other. John Weezy, thank you for joining us. <laughs> and we're still speaking to each other. <laughs> Red Sox fan and Yankee fan, and we're still going strong. Thanks, Jeremy. It's good to good to be here. Thank you, John. To be clear, John's the Yankees fan. Weezy is the uh, the Bostonian. Um, so this this is a young adult book. Weezy, let's start with you. Um, why why did you think this material, which is you know, about racism and anti-Semitism in a world on the brink of uh, global war, World War II. Why, why is this something that would suit a young adult audience? Well, I think that, you know, any kids that are interested in sports at all and any kids that are interested in what's going on in the world, that this was a great uh, intersection between the two. And it's a way to teach young kids about what was happening, you know, the, the global conflict that was going on prior to World War II. It was a way to teach about anti-Semitism and Jim Crow, but while still entertaining kids with this, you know, with this really, really dramatic story of these two, you know, boxing rivals. John, how do you have to adjust your style? I mean, you guys are uh, adult writers. Uh, is that the right way to put it? Not adult. You, you know, <laughs> Rick, Rick, not adult material. That's not what I meant. <laughs> we are adults and writers, if that's, <laughs> that's what you mean. That's no, what I meant. You know, it's an interesting, I, I know the, the question is going to be, how do you change it for the young adult audience? And it was one of our first questions going into the project. And we sat down with Simon Bouton, who was the editor at uh, Macmillan, who wanted this title from us. And we talked about that very thing and said, you know, what is the main difference? And really, it's what not to include, because what happens when writing for the adult market is that you uh, tend to, let's say, when talking about Hitler or backstory, you'll go into it much more deeply. Whereas in this case, we'll summarize some of that material to, to provide the setting and then get back to our main story. So the subtexts don't... Uh, we, we don't go as deep into the subtext. We really stick more to the main story, but we give enough uh, to flesh out uh, what's going on. But as I, I will say one thing. Simon Bouton did point out that when you are writing for middle school, he said, don't talk down, don't write down to these kids, you know, that they can handle the material. So just write as you would to an adult audience, and an adult reader. And I think that was really valuable for us. In, going in. in tone and language, yeah. Uh, don't don't write down. But in regards to storyline, 
cut back on on going off on tangents into subtexts. Well, the book's gotten some great uh, reviews, Booklist and Kirkus, Publishers Weekly. We're speaking with John Florio and Weezy Shapiro, the co-writers of the new book for young adults, War in the Ring, Joe Lewis, Max Schmeling, and the Fight Between America and Hitler. I think it's appropriate we're talking about young adult nonfiction uh, as the summer begins, as kids get their reading lists or assignments to read some books on their own over the summer. And, and the story of Schmeling and Lewis um, is such a rich one, and there there is so much there, uh, as they say these days, to unpack. But, but first of all, um, John, when you talk about Max Schmeling in 1936 – when he's fighting Joe Lewis, you're talking about a guy many people considered washed up at that point, a former heavyweight champion, wasn't considered to have, uh, he was considered to have only a past in the ring. Lewis was the bright, shining star of the heavyweight division and of all of sports. Um, when they step into the ring for the first time against each other, where did each of them stand in the public consciousness beyond that? Well, you know, it's interesting. First of all, you, you do. You have Schmeling, who they didn't really give a chance against Lewis. And he did so well against Lewis. And to give an idea of where the country was at that point in 36, this, you know, two, a lot happens in two years by the time the fight in 38, the rematch comes in 38. But in 36, a lot of the white establishment didn't want Lewis to win that fight. They didn't want a black champion. Um, you know, you're coming off of Jim Crow in um, 1896. You had Plessy Ferguson, so you had separate but equal. But everybody knew Yes, black and white uh, society is separate, but you know the what's being given to them is not equal, and they wanted really to keep it that way. To the point, I did a re, uh, reading recently from this book, and I read after the thirty-six fight when Schmeling upsets Lewis um, that Congress stops uh, stops doing uh, business, stop, and actually senators from the South, where Lewis was from were celebrating the fact that Schmeling had beaten him because they didn't want Lewis to go any farther than he'd already gone. So that's where things were in 1936. You have a white establishment that really is rooting openly against the American fighter because he's black. And one of the striking things about that shocking loss for Joe Lewis at the time, what was he, 21, 22, when he lost the first fight to Schmeling, um, was on the other side of the coin, the reaction in black America heartbroken i remember reading accounts uh, of reactions i mean here here was the first uh black man who seemed to have a chance in the near term after that fight to have a shot at the heavyweight championship which no african-american had held since jack johnson lost to jess willard in that controversial fight in havana in 1915 how much did it mean to black america when joe lewis lost that first fight wheezy Oh, it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating. And, you know, communities across the country, um, in black communities across the country, people were just heartbroken. And uh, it was such a crushing defeat because it was a chance for a black person to to rise up and to show what they were capable of doing. And, and then the other thing is that it was, it was a shocking defeat. Nobody expected this. Nobody expected this to happen. And Hitler was rejoicing. Yeah. I mean, he had Schmeling. Uh, he, he was entertaining Schmeling and talking with him about the fight, celebrating him as, you know, the Aryan ideal. So Hitler really uh, loved the outcome of that fight. But of course, before the fight, uh, the German uh, regime, the Nazi regime, in fact, uh, mostly distanced itself from Schmeling because they expected him to lose and not only lose, but lose to an African-American. Correct. Yes. 
And um, he proved them right. He said before the fight, he had seen something in Lewis. He said, you know, I've been around a long time, and he predicted he was going to win that fight. What he had seen was that Lewis was dropping his left hand after throwing a jab. So he kept throwing that. He had a, he had a very good overhand right smelling. And whenever the jab would come, he had weight, and, and Lewis's left hand would come down, and he would keep throwing that overhand right, and he repeatedly connected. But, you know, as, you know, Lewis had two years to adjust after that, and things changed. They they called uh, Schmeling, correct me if I'm wrong, the Black Ulan, like the Lancer. What was that? Wasn't that his nickname, Wheezy? Yeah, he had a few nicknames. He had oh my. Sorry. Well, he was the the Black Ulan of the Rhine. Of the Rhine, yeah. Which was made... from uh, was from Joe Jacob, Jussel the Muscle, his. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Schmeling's uh, promoter, and it was it was really based on nothing, right? I mean, Ulan was a cavalry rider, yeah. and his black, he had black hair, and, and, he, the and, Rhine, he, and the Rhine was nowhere near <laughs> he had, where he had grown up in Hamburg. So, I mean, it made no <laughs> sense whatsoever. But you didn't not. have to be precise if you were in the world of promoting fights. I no, mean, not, not much all. has changed. We're speaking with John Florio and Weezy Shapiro about their new book, War in the Ring, Joe Lewis, Max Schmeling, and the fight between America and Hitler. It's for young adults. It's just out from Roaring Book Press, which is a division of Macmillan. We'll be back with John and Weezy in our next segment. Welcome back to The Sporting Life. We're speaking again with Weezy Shapiro and John Florio, the co-authors of a new book, War in the Ring, Joe Lewis, Max Schmeling, and the fight between America and Hitler. This book is geared for young adults ages 10 to 14. It's from Roaring Book Press. Uh, when we left off, we were talking about uh, the outcome of the first fight in which Max Schmeling surprised the world, the former heavyweight champion, knocking out the uh, the young contender, the hopeful Joe Lewis, who was expected to eventually shortly become the heavyweight champion of the world. The championship at that time was held by James J. Braddock, who himself had pulled off a stunning upset by beating Max Baer, not to be confused with Schmeling, for the heavyweight title in 1935. Wheezy, how does, how does Lewis eventually get that championship before he even has a rematch with Schmeling? Well, it was a backroom deal. Yeah, it was a backroom deal. And, Jeremy, you wrote a lot about that in, in your book, too. Uh, it was this crazy backroom deal that went, that was, that was, the whole thing was manufactured between uh, Mike Jacobs. Mike Jacobs and. Uh, and Joe Gould, who was Jim Braddock's manager. And it was yep. really what Jacobs, what Jacobs did to get Lewis the title was he gave up 10% of everything he was going to make on heavyweight championship fights for the next 10 years just to get Lewis into the ring. It wasn't even a question of winning. Just to get Lewis the opportunity, he gave up 10% of everything he was going to earn from heavyweight title fights. It so happens that Lewis ended up holding the title for those 10 years. So, you know, Lewis paid 10% of his income for 10 years. I mean, in a snapshot of that deal, which is a little funky, but in a snapshot, Lewis gave up 10% of his income for 10 years holding the title just to have gotten the chance to fight Braddock. Right, although Mike Jacobs never said, never, never claimed that the 10% was coming from Lewis's uh, purse, but it, it, so it was a little unclear and a little shady where that 10% was, you know, eventually came from. Joe Lewis wins the title from Jim Braddock in 1937. He becomes the first African-American world heavyweight champion. There were African-American champions in other divisions uh, between that time and 1937, but the first since 1915 when Jack Johnson lost the title to Jess Willard in Havana. The second fight, it's 
so highly anticipated, the second Schmeling-Lewis fight. There, there is so much propaganda uh, on the German side. Can you give us a sense of what the significance of that fight was for Nazi Germany, which at the time had been in power for five years, Wheezy? It was monumental. I mean, it was, you know, Hitler was, he was holding up uh, Schmeling as the exemplar of you know, Aryan supremacy. And the fact that Schmeling had won in '36. It convinced Hitler that he was going to win again, and it was, I mean, the whole country was just on the edge of their seats. People were up in the middle of the night waiting for the fight to happen. It was at Yankee Stadium again, and, um, I mean, it seemed like the entire country was just, you know, hanging on this fight, and Hitler just couldn't wait to prove Aryan supremacy. And, you know, don't forget, one, one point to add to that is Lewis is going into that fight. He's only got one loss on his record to Schmeling. Otherwise, he's undefeated. So if you're rooting for Schmeling at that point, you're thinking to yourself, hey, he's, uh, Lewis looks unbeatable. But, you know, he's got a sh- but Schmeling's got a shot. He did beat him before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it really made for, even in boxing terms, forgetting all of the other incredible um, uh, ramifications of the fight. It, just as, a, as a, bo- a pure boxing fan at that time, it was an interesting fight because you have a guy who looks unbeatable, but he did lose once to this guy, and here comes that guy again. So you never know what could happen. You and know? the question going in was, was it a fluke that Lewis had lost or um, that Schmeling had won? It, and it's one of those things, too. Um, you know, Joe Lewis eventually reigns as heavyweight champion for a decade. Um, he's widely considered, if not the greatest prize fighter of all time. He's among the top three or four. Um, but losing that fight early in his career, before he was champion, a devastating loss for him, uh, for so many millions of African Americans, for so many millions of Americans who aren't African American, uh, who were devastated by it. Um, how did that loss how did that loss affect the rest of his career you know because having that loss he might have he might have learned some lessons that he was able to apply later oh i think definitely i think i mean he said as much really he he said that you know he was so young i was 21 or 22 when he lost that first fight and um I, I think he said himself that he learned a lot and it was probably and his manager um Chappie Blackburn said it's good that he, his trainer, I'm sorry, Chappie Blackburn said it was good that he lost because, uh, you know, it was a lesson for him. He also never said he felt like he was champion until he got to beat Schmeling in that second fight. You know, he, he said, you know, as long as that loss is on my record, I don't feel like I'm really a champion. He, he needed to avenge that loss before he was able to move on. And, and one of the great things about Joe Lewis, I mean, you know, th- this book also serves as a biography, in a sense, of, of Joe Lewis, one of the great figures in the history of sports in the U.S., beyond, in boxing and beyond. And he was such an important figure. Um you know, we think of him along with Jesse Owens as a trailblazer, as, as among the first African American sports heroes who were embraced uh, by by white America, not by all of white America, as you said, but by many people in white America, and eventually, probably by most of white America. And he approached his celebrity, he approached his championship very different than differently than his predecessor, uh, Jack Johnson. Um, so, so. W- what is there um, in the life of Joe Lewis to be learned that's particularly important for young adults, Weezy? Well, you know, 
it's interesting that you say different from his um, predecessor. He was also very different from his successor, you know, Muhammad Ali, who um, had a very different take on the way that, um, well, that he himself, but that also that black America should should respond to what was going on in the country. And at the time of Ali, it was the Vietnam War. And he he felt early on, and he said it publicly, that he thought Joe Lewis was um, was an Uncle Tom. And then he, he regretted that he had said that. But I think, you know, for kids today, it's really valuable to see the context in which the in which Joe Lewis was was born and raised, and you know all of the challenges that it, challenges, especially you know he was he grew up in Jim Crow America, so all of the challenges that he had to face, and I think you know you have to appreciate that context in order to understand the individual. It's a terrific new book for young adults. War in the Ring, Joe Lewis, Max Schmeling, and the fight between America and Hitler about those two epic fights that took place in 1936 and 1938, and also about Joe Lewis, the great champion who emerged from them. Uh, it's a pleasure, John and Wheezy. It's good to see that uh, you're still speaking, uh, <laughs> even though you're married and working together. Thanks so much for joining us here on The Sporting Life. Thanks very much for having us, Jeremy. Thank you very much, Jeremy. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.